0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Post-20 Podcast. You're now listening to episode 150 of the show, just 50 more till 200. My name is Evan. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Matt. What's going on with you?
1: Yeah, we're recording it in the morning again. A little bit off, but uh, schedules give us what we have. So um, I'm, I'm really excited for this week and what happened last week, especially with my club. The shocking departure of Thomas Tuchel. Um, didn't expect to see him go this soon after what he's brought to the club and his achievements and with the Champions League and Club World Cup and a top four finish in two seasons. So um, we're moving on and now we're we're taking a chance on the, the hype of Graham Potter. Everything's all but certain now. I think they agreed terms and now he's Driving to Cobham now to sign the deal. So, um, I'd like to say the future's looking bright, but he's going to make some important decisions on what he wants to do with the team. And some players may not be in that picture now. And I think Yang is a prime example of that, which
0: yeah.
1: is its own story in itself.
0: Just light money on fire. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll we'll get more to Chelsea when we when we get to the Chelsea West Ham game. I I have a couple things to say uh regarding the the Gaunt crowd who is now gone. Uh but let's jump into the the first game of the week. We had Everton versus Liverpool a nil nil draw in the Merseyside derby. This game was of course at Goodison. Uh the result levels Everton out with a point uh in 16th place liver or everton I-, I think i said liverpool i meant everton and then liverpool are in seventh now with nine what a game uh there was a couple of things that came to mind uh when i <clears throat> when i looked at the games this morning neil mopai this was his his first game and i thought there were a couple of chances for him to to get on the sheet here he was unable to do it but I don't think he looked terrible. I I don't think it's a a great replacement for Richarlison when you consider Richarlison's output uh, going forward. But I guess it's better than nothing. At least they they did a couple of different things. And then Anthony Gordon, this is one of the first games where he hasn't had a goal. Uh, Liverpool, I think we're a little bit unlucky to not get anything to fall for them in this one. Um, However, they have to be much, much better than this. Their finishing was just not good enough. Another game where TAA and Van Dijk and Gomez, I I don't think, played all that well. We saw again yesterday, um, Liverpool lost 3-0 to Napoli, and all of those guys look fucking terrible. Same with Milner. There's something going on at Liverpool, and I I don't know what it is. Um, I I don't want to take any sort of credit away from Everton in this one, because Pickford was really, really, really good in this game. He is either extremely on or extremely off. I don't think he's a consistent keeper, but he played extremely well in this game. And I think Everton defended well as a unit as well. So this is a fantastic result for Everton. I'm sure Frank will be pleased. Um, they could have had a goal or two fall and, and Liverpool certainly could have had a goal or two fall as well. They, they hit the woodwork a lot in this game. I, I don't know what you drew from this game, but uh, Liverpool do not seem like the, the powerhouse that they were last season. It's just not looking good.
1: I think they're creating just as many chances as they normally do. I think it comes down to the just the margins. I think Luis Diaz cutting in on his right and smashing it off the far post. He's done it like four times and every time it's hit off the post and out. Um I mean, if one of those drops, he, you're getting three points. So and Everton I think genuinely had a great opportunity to win the game. I remember the one counter down the left. It was five Everton players against two Liverpool guys, and the cut back to Mupai, and it was saved point blank. Like he needs to put that away. Yeah. So I would say defensively, both teams should be happy. But going forward, there seems to be a bit of issues. I think still the concern in that Liverpool midfield. I don't think Arthur's the solution. No, he's just a, a band aid over a leak um, that's still leaking. So um, I thought the midfield for Everton was really strong. I think Davies had a strong game for once. Um, Onana, the young boy in there, has really set himself into that lineup. And it doesn't seem like Awobi's going anywhere. It seems like he's a favorite of Franks, which is nice to see the way his career's gone and how his positioning's been modified throughout the years. So mvp pickford here as always he's always being a nuisance to everybody but um everton really deserved this point going here from liverpool i think they can't really change anything they're doing now i think they're doing all the right things it just comes down to teams i think having enough information on them to to realize their weaknesses and we saw the champions league uh with what napoli did going down the their left-hand side really attacking Trent and Gomez had a bit of a shocker and that game ended 4-1. Um, it, it was, it's just things are, they need maybe need to, speaking of Klopp, needs to modify things a bit, I'd say. Um, we saw the same thing go with Tuchel and Todd is quick on the trigger and I think, I don't think Liverpool will ever do that unless things get extremely bad, but um, I think everybody needs to modify their, their game. We saw Arteta do it, bringing in Jesus. They've changed a little bit. We see Pep brought in, brought in Holland. They've changed their style a little bit to keep themselves ahead of everybody else. So um, And now Ten Hog's doing that a bit, bringing in guys he's familiar with and changing things for past managers. So I feel like Liverpool and Chelsea are in similar areas where they need to tweak their systems a bit.
0: Yeah, I agree, and Klopp did come out after the loss midweek uh, yesterday against Napoli and said it appears that we're going to have to reinvent ourselves mid-season, which yeah. I suppose is, a, is I guess, comforting to hear as a Liverpool fan, but at the same time, it's it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work that you have to do mid-season right as Champions League is, is kicking off. So um, we're headed towards the busy part of the, the fixture schedule, and it, it could get ugly, or Liverpool could, could hop right back up to, you know, second, third place. It's possible. We we have no idea what to expect, but that's that's not the result that they needed there uh, at Goodison. We'll jump on to Tottenham versus Fulham. This game at Hotspur Stadium saw the Spurs win 2-1 uh, behind a pierre Emile hoybier goal in the 40th, and then Harry Kane goal in the 75th. Alexander Mitrovic, we should say, Pulled one back, as he always does in the 83rd, but it was not enough to get any sort of pointage for Fulham. Um, Mitrovic, another guy kind of like Holland, seemingly inevitable, going to score pretty much every game. Of course, he doesn't have the skill set that Holland has, and he's not banging them in at the volume that Holland is, but he's really, really good um, in getting at getting himself into a position where he can convert. And I think that it's going to probably be the difference for Fulham staying up and going down because the rest of their team, you know, decor over Reed, Cabano and Pereira. Pereira's been all right, but um, in terms of chance creation and chance finishing, it's just not really there. So I think, you know, Mitrovic is the key, as we sort of talked about at the beginning of the season. And then in terms of Spurs, um, getting goals from the midfield here, Hojbjerg's been great, I think. Ryan Sessegnon, another guy who's really stood out to me, I think he's been fantastic. Good to see Richarlison get a start here. A lot of yellow cards in this game. I think there was eight of them. Um, you know, the more and more I watch, the more and more I think maybe Sun needs needs a break, needs a rest. He, he needs to um, spend a little bit of time on the bench. I don't think he's been awful, but I think he needs to figure out the finishing because it appears to me that he has the yips. Um, I'm familiar with the concept of the yips, the Y word. If you play baseball or golf, you don't, you don't want to say it, but son can't finish. And I think when you have Richarlison and Kulisevsky that you have the choice to, to throw son on the bench for just a bit and, and see if he can regain some of his finishing form. I don't think it needs to be a person, you know, a, a permanent thing or anything like that, but give the guy a break. Um, uh, I just think Richarlison's been great and kulusevski has been good as well. Uh, I'd like to see what they get out of those guys and, instead of forcing Son into that position or, or maybe move Son around because this just isn't working for him right now.
1: Yeah, I think one guy that's starting to break out and potentially could take minutes from him is Richarlison. Yeah, he looks great. Um, this is the start of the season. Conte just slowly implemented him in as one of those inside forward roles. Um, behind Kane. We saw him get a brace now. Yesterday in the Champions League, both headers off the back post, which were nice. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think like you said, maybe they take a chance and put him on the bench and get him a super sub kind of role for a game to change things up and to throw teams off in their game plan. Um, I thought Fulham in this game played to the best of their ability. They controlled enough possession to where it kept him in it. Um, shots, they were heavily outmatched. I think Tottenham had 10 on target to Fulham's three, all from Mitrovic. But yeah, and it, there's, when they play these teams that are um, okay with giving up a decent portion of possession and really r- are really organized in their lower blocks of defense, I don't think they have the quality to break through, um, especially with their wing play. I think them bringing in Dan James and William and such have that experience in the Prem to have a better chance of breaking them down. So maybe in the future they could use their experience to get forward, but I just didn't think the 11 they had could get the job done against a really uh, rigid Tottenham defense. So, um, yeah, it was a pretty bog-standard result. I think both teams can go forward happy with what came out of this. I think Fulham still are flying decently they they're right there in the middle of the league 10th two wins two draws two defeats with nine goals four and nine against so pretty down the middle team um going forward the, the fixtures don't get any easier for them um so i think they moving forward they need to start finding more outlets beside mitrovich i think sooner or later teams are going to just take figure ways to take him out of the game. And that's where we're really going to see a full of our team that can stay up. So um, until then, Mitrovich is still going to power through hopefully for me in fantasy, but um, I think that's obviously the key to figuring out how to stop them.
0: Yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the next one in action pack game that I didn't really catch much of. Um, I got the last couple goals, but Nottingham forest versus Bournemouth, Nottingham forest, uh, Two first half goals, one from Chiku Kuyate, one from Brennan Johnson. That second was a penalty. And then in the second half, Bournemouth came out absolutely firing. A Philip Billing blast in the 51st, a Dominic Solanke scissor kick in the 63rd, and then a Jaden Anthony goal at the death in the 87th. Sealed all three points for Bournemouth. I was shocked um, that Bournemouth were able to come out in the second half and rally uh to defeat that 2-0 deficit. I think Bournemouth looked really really good in the second half. I did get the last two goals. They looked extremely threatening. I I don't know what happened uh you know in terms of changing of tides for for Nottingham Forest, but they were unable to 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 seal this and I think a 2-0 lead at halftime, you should be able to just reinforce in the second half, maybe drop into the block. You can invite an attack, but they should be able to defend. And they just weren't able to do that. Nico Williams and Renan Lodi playing wing back in this game. Those are guys that should be able to keep up with Christian Tavernier who are going forward, but they were unable to do that. And instead, they, they didn't get a single point from this game. This is a huge loss uh, for them, I think. They're in 19th place. This would have jumped them up to, to where Bournemouth is at, at, at 13th. And this is one of those games, it's kind of like a 16-pointer because it is essentially a relegation uh matchup and I I have no idea what the idea was here in terms of managerial uh decisions, but Nottingham Farce should have at least got a point from this game regardless of, of how Bournemouth has played in the second half.
1: Yeah, I think this out of all the matches was the most unforgivable. You go up 2-0 at home. The second goal was a, a suspect VAR decision. Um handball on Lloyd Kelly nothing really he could do with his arms so they gave it to him anyway and Brennan Johnson put it away but going into the half 2-0 up against a struggling board the side who just lost their manager um, you should be in a pretty cozy driver's position on the game and like you mentioned the first two goals were, were absolute bangers out of nothing um, and then in the dying minutes of the game that that winning goal a mistake from McKenna passing back to Henderson under hit and absolutely ridiculous. And they made Dean Henderson look like the first uh, five games of the season didn't even happen. Um, Took all the confidence out of his sales and credit to Bournemouth, but not an Forest. let the game go away. I mean, it's like you mentioned, it's a six pointer. This is a game we could look back on and, and point to that um, was the reason they didn't stay up. So um, especially two promotion teams. These are games you have to win. So, um, upsetting for Forrest. Still trying to figure out that 11 they want, but um, it seems like Bournemouth have that camaraderie together to get things done and to push on.
0: Yep. Uh, okay, let's move on to Chelsea 2, West Ham 1. Despite an extremely poor start from Chelsea. And a fantastic goal for Mikel Antonio in the 62nd. Chelsea were able to rally. A Ben Chilwell goal in the 76th. And a Kai Havertz finish in the 88th. Enabled the Blues to take all three points at the bridge. Good lord. This one, I thought, was, was surely a disaster. A lot of goals in quick succession. Um, just 26 minutes separating the three goals. I was surprised that Chelsea were able to get a result here. I thought after Antonio's score that maybe they'd be able to get an equalizer, but I wasn't expecting Kai to get there. In the end, he did. He came on. I forget what minute it was, um, but he was a, a sub in this game. Pulisic got the start. Wasn't really into it. Didn't look great. I thought Kovacic looked looked good. Gallagher looked better. Cucurella's playing in a strange spot, sort of the middle of the park here. And then Reese James and was was up towards the top too. I don't. How did you feel about this lineup? Because I think it's there's a lot of strength in the lineup. It's just it's a very very strange way to to go at it uh, against West Ham.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of changes, um, a lot of rotations, trying something different. through Gallagher back in there after the suspension, as well as having Havertz and Mounts both on the bench. Um interesting there. Still playing Sterling at that striker role, whereas I think ideally he could be playing where Cucarella is, get him more on the wing where he can rip things up. Um But yeah, I think a lot of these uh a lot of people on this team can be happy that tuchel has gone. It might give them new life into the system for whatever Grand Potter decides. Um guys like Pulisic maybe get more time and, and Ziek, who guys that should have left potentially in the Tuchel system, but we'll see. Still, Thiago is an absolute bull in the back. Koulibaly still trying to find himself in the league. Um, Fafana still getting into the system. Um I don't think we deserved the win. I think the way the game ended on that VAR decision, we should yeah. have ended in a draw. We both predicted a draw, and that's the way the game should have shook out, but... um I honestly believe it was a decision for for payback from the Tottenham decision on the Cucurera hair pull.
0: Probably. Um,
1: I think they were just making up for that. That's the way I believe it. But still, I think West Ham did just enough to earn a point in this game, but things got away from them in, those, in the last 15 minutes of the game. Ben Chilwell, I said, coming off the bench would make a great impact, and he did. Um, his first goal came out of nothing from a ball over the top, Megs Fabianski, and then uh, gets the assist for Havertz. So I think P- Potter's obviously going to lean more interest and favor towards Cucurella obviously, because they worked together with Bright- at Brighton last year for a year. Um, but we'll see. But yeah, I think this was a much-needed three points. We needed to get us back in the mix. Um, where we go from here, I have no idea. We're out of the window, so Potter has to figure out what he's going to do with the current team. Um, a lot of excitement, a lot of a lot of um, stress. Uh, we go. I think it's a matchup that can go against us a bit going up against Fulham this week. That's a team that's um, knows who they are, play a certain way, and have a key goal figure up front, which we don't have. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, I think both sides. Were, I think Chelsea were fortunate in this game, and West Ham got absolutely shafted.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Where are we now? I just had it. Mm. Oh, uh, Brentford 5, Leeds United 2. Weird one here. Um, I was expecting Leeds to, to come out strong, but they were unable to do so. Ivan Tony with a, a hat trick started in the 30th with a penalty. Great penalty taker, by the way. a goal in the 43rd. Uh, Luis Sinistera got one back in stoppage time. And then <clears throat> it was another goal from Ivan Tony in the second half. to get Brentford to 3-1. to one. Mark Roca had one in the 79th, and then Brentford took back over with a goal from Brian Embuemo in the 80th. And a goal from Joan Wissa in the 91st. lot of offense, a lot of chances in this game. I think Leeds were a little bit unlucky to not convert more. There were a couple of saves in the first half that I thought were fantastic from Raya. Um, But to be honest with you, Brentford just play extremely well as a team. Thomas Frank has them playing really, really well. They have a lot of depth in my opinion, off the bench. Wissa came on. Josh De Silva is another guy that you can expect goals out of. I think Onyeka is still good. He doesn't get a ton of time these days, but he's fantastic. And then Christopher Eyer, of course, is good as well to sub in back there. I mean, Leeds I I just don't know. They they really suffer from not having Bamford operating at, at full uh full efficiency. I think Joe Gellhart didn't do didn't do a ton in this game. He he did get subbed off for Bamford, but they just really struggle when he's not at, at peak operating efficiency and this is a tough loss for them because they they got slaughtered.
1: Yeah, I think that's where the result lied. Um, not having a key striker is seeming like a big problem in, in, the, in the league in general for a lot of teams. Um, we see how Tooney operated and carried his team to victory here. And The loss of Rodrigo now with that dislocated shoulder for the next couple of weeks is going to be a massive loss for them, and that's how I predicted this game a bit. I thought having... Not having him in Bamford at full fitness is going to be massive for them. We saw Leeds' build-up play really struggle for that. And that put a lot more pressure on the defense to really lock things down. And uh, we know we know here how bad their defense is the past couple years, letting up a lot of goals. And Brentford capitalized on that a bit. And the confidence shined from Tooney, and it carried his teammates forward going into the game. So um, I didn't expect a scoreline like this, but um it ended the way i thought
0: yeah this, th- there was just so many goals in this game the, brentford are usually tough um they don't score they don't score 5 goals very often but tony is is a demon for sure i think uh,
1: they i think they're yet to secure a clean sheet yet in the <laughs> season I, I believe it uh, uh besides the united game they besides that they've given up at least a goal in every game
0: that's crazy. Oh, excuse me. A bit early for me, still. Uh, mm-hmm. Wolves won, Southampton nil. A relatively quiet affair at the Molyneux. So, Wolves taking all three behind a Daniel Poten's goal stoppage time of the first half. Seven shots for Wolves, 12 shots for Southampton, two shots on target for Wolves, just one for the Saints, and then 51% possession. Heading to Wolves. They lined up similarly to how they have been. Sasha Kalajic, their new man, injured. Although, they are bringing in one of my greatest nemeses. Diego Costa. He's he's back. There was a little bit of issue with the, the visa, but he's he's in town. He's there for Wolves, which makes me truly, truly sick um <laughs> a true villain <laughs> he is one of my most hated players ever an arsenal killer that is not not good um and then the saints they lined up how they always do with adams up top a behind him ward Prowse and the diallo in the center and then of course uh the young impressive center back bella kochap Right alongside Mohamed Salisu. So, I don't know. I don't know what you thought of this game. I thought this was a quiet one. Um, This did, this did lose uh, a streak that Wolves had. They ended a run of 12 Premier League games without a win. Um, they won for the first time in the league since April of 2022. And they beat Villa 2-1, which is crazy. Just goes to show how poor the end of their season was. I mean,
1: I, I thought this was the prime game to for them to get the win. Yeah. It's been coming a long time. I think they played really well. Um, didn't get as many shots as they normally do. They've averaged around like 12 to 15 shots a game. They only had seven total and only two on target. So the production wasn't there as much from Southampton structure, but um, they held out Southampton long enough to get the win, which was nice to see. No, no Jimenez in this game, but they got the job done still. We're seeing new signing Mateus Nunes slowly perform better and better. Um, I like their center back partnership with Collins and Kilman. That back switching from a a three back to a four back now is proving to to show the fruits of their labor. And I think Southampton, on the other hand, just really struggling in this game to get the ball forward a bit. I feel like having Ward Prowse playing a deeper role um and that makes them suffer a bit they're lacking that uh killer instinct on the wings they're having to play um adam armstrong on the wing who's normally a striker and Yanusi last year rarely got any minutes so i think the loss of walcott and tella are proving to be a detriment for them so uh, once they get their wing play back into full form i think they're gonna be dangerous but until then, I don't see them as a very um, very competitive team in, in a lot of games to really get multiple goals going.
0: All right. uh, okay, we have Newcastle versus Crystal Palace, an affair that saw an absolute shit ton of shots, shots on target, a lot of beautiful passes, a lot of great chances, but zero goals newcastle nil palace nil i was so expecting after i saw the first 10 minutes of this game for these teams to absolutely run up the score palace looked great newcastle looked great um we saw isak in this game i think he's he's gonna be really really good for them zaha mateta and Ayu. uh iu back after a couple of weeks on the bench eze in there for palace Uh, Jolenton, of course, in there for Newcastle. They're still missing Guimaraes, who should be back soon. I don't know how there was no goal scored in this game. I had both teams to score. I really thought that 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 was a good play. I do think Palace actually outplayed Newcastle. They are missing a couple of guys, but man, this was unfortunate. I would have loved to see a couple of screamers in this one. It would have been really entertaining. Um, but instead the two teams have to share the points. I, I cannot believe um that there were so many shots and so few goals that is insane
1: yeah i think this is a prime um game where on paper it says no no and that's why people don't like watching it but if you actually sit down and watch the game it's really intense um it's exciting the amount of chances there were a total of 42 shots
0: yeah it's nuts
1: 15 on target i mean it's just, uh, just the goal. absolutely standing on their heads. Defenders. The organization is there. I think this this proves that both teams are have the quality to finish in that top ten area of the table, right around there. Uh, but unfortunately, not neither one could put one chance away. So Newcastle having a bit of injury issues with Wilson and um, Gimarez, as well as Saint Max. We're seeing that in. Back-to-back games now, they're not able to put a lot of goals on the table. Um, zero goals this week, and then uh, last week only getting one against Liverpool. So a bit of a drop off from how they started. So I'd like to see Palace get a bit more active going forward. They're they're in just about every game, but uh, when you look on the table, it doesn't show for that. They're in 15th with one win, three draws, and two defeats. So um, well-deserved share of the points. I think Wilfred Zaha has been getting a bit upset about his teammates not putting chances away and making silly mistakes. He's feeling like he has to carry the team a bit, which he is, but um, I think having Eze get more time in there after his injury, and I think they need to start playing Elyse more, maybe instead of IU potentially, yeah. just to get a bit of freshness into the team and somebody new. Um, but yeah, I thought this was an interesting game. Um, I think both teams would be disappointed. They couldn't get a goal and get more points, but I think moving forward, this could prove to be very helpful for them.
0: Yep. Okay. Um, let's see. Ah, uh, yes. Aston Villa won. Manchester City won. This is disgusting. This game cost me... A considerable amount of coin, uh, because I I had both teams not to score. It was like plus one fifty or something. I I really didn't think Villa would break City down, but City's defense is actually shambolic. So yeah, uh, a 50th minute goal from Erling Holland. Who you know? Who else? And then a Leon Bailey goal in the 74th to tie things up. This was so ugly. I mean, I just think that City have so much quality; they should be able to. Defeat Villa pretty handedly. Uh, KDB, Rodri, Gundogan. You look at that midfield and you say, "Where's the hole?" And there just isn't. However, that midfield or that that center back pairing back there with Ruben Diaz and John Stones is a problem. It is a real problem. They're playing with two defenders for the most part. Cancelo and Walker get extremely involved up in the middle of the park, which is great. But I think Walker needs to stay further back, and and Cancelo can can jump up. That's fine, but. They're they're often exposed, and, and Leon Bailey, who's been extremely quiet since coming in uh, last season to the Prem, got the goal here in the 74th. A good goal, um, a good finish, and, and great for Villa, but I just think this is a game where City might look back at the end of the season and be like, damn, we, we should have gotten three points there. So if they would have gotten those three points, they would have been ahead of Arsenal. And unfortunately now, well, for them, not for me, Arsenal still sit on top of the table Uh, with 15 points, City with just 14. This was a a catastrophic sell job, in my opinion. Sorry, if you hear that, the the cops are coming for me.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they could also come to uh, City for being robbed robbed a bit. Yeah, yeah, it's... The the attack isn't the problem for City, it's just the... those little pockets of space in behind the fullbacks you mentioned. Kinsella almost comes in as like a holding mid a bit, uh, as well as Walker, so add another layer into the midfield but Stones doesn't have the pace to close down those balls to the corners down the wings that's where um Ali Watkins favors he favors he he floats to the left side of the field a bit It doesn't really say central as much that's where Danny Ings comes in and Leon Leon Bailey is more more on off to the right so um their substitutes didn't really help them as much as I thought they would they brought in Coutinho and Buendia to change things and didn't have a major effect, but Matty Cash picking up an early knock in the 20th. Um, I thought Ashley Young coming on, you would think he'd get rinsed, but he put in a great shift. Um, the the one chance they had on the counter was, was all from him chasing down. De Bruyne winning it, and then two quick passes on the transition puts them in a great spot to score. So I feel like that's where you need to really open things up on City. You can't have too many passes in the buildup to let them get bodies in behind. And... um just play, just play very vertical, and you will really open things up for them. Because I don't think Rodri and Gundogan have the pace to track back like a lot of other defensive mids do. So yep. they they were fortunate enough to get the point. You saw Gerard after the Bailey goal have that brief moment of of happiness and relief. And right after he got that out of his system, he locked back and looked at his coaches and said the job wasn't over and they milked it out as much as they could and got the point where i think Gerard this was a crucial moment in his career at Villa where um getting this point just saved him a bit more time and i think this upcoming week has the most important match um for his job against Leicester who are right down there with him in the in the basement battle so he's he's not out of the woods yet but this is a point they can they can celebrate for a while.
0: Yeah. Um. All right. We'll move on to Brighton five Leicester City two. The last Jeez, game it's... that that Graham Potter is going to manage for Brighton was an absolute drubbing of Leicester City. Leicester City got off early behind a goal from Kelechi Iannaccio. Nice pass from Patson there. Then Luke Thomas own goal drew things level. Caicedo got on the board in the fifteenth. Daka leveled things back up in the 33rd. However, it was just not enough. Um, Brighton came out hot in the second half. Leicester City lost all momentum. Leandro Trussard with a goal in the 64th. An absolute stunner from Alexis McAllister at the end. And then a penalty from him in the 71st as well. This was a slaughter. Um, I wouldn't have thought after the first half that this game would have, you know, three more goals in it, but, but it did. And Brighton had 23 shots, 11 of those on target, whereas Leicester City just had six shots and, and four on target. I, I think Leicester are just so mentally wrecked. I mean, if you look at this team, their defense is not great, but... The middle of the park and the striker options are not bad. They have Barnes. They have Telemans. They have Madison. Ianacho is capable of doing a job. So is Daka. I think DACA is probably better, to be honest. Vardy came on late. He, of course, is, is always going to be in there. And the guys that they have on the bench, they have Castagna. They have Dewsbury Hall, Amarte. They have a solid team, but there's something mentally going on. There's something in the locker room going on, and they're not playing well. So... A great result for Graham Potter, a great result for Brighton. Um, I I don't know what's going to happen there once he's not there to enforce his system. I I do worry a little bit about that, but I'm sure they'll be happy to to take the three points uh, as he got in his car and and drove off to the bridge.
1: Yeah, I'm excited for him. Um, Brighton, I think losing him and his coaching staff really show if the players can adapt to a new system because they do have to find a new manager for themselves. Um, we'll see who it is in the next week or so. But I think the players really grew um, from Potter and his coaching staff's system and coaching techniques. I think they really opened things up and brought them to the next level. We see guys like Danny Welbeck extending his career and still being a reliable striker in the league. Um, you're seeing new guys in Kaiseido and Mwebu. Um, who were brought into the league for very, very low fees, turned into prime transfer targets for a lot of big clubs. So um be interesting to see if they could carry on without him. But um, on the Leicester side, you're seeing arguments right on the field between Ndidi and Ward and goal yeah. on certain decisions. Um, we've seen Ndidi in the past have to slide and play center back before, and it doesn't work. He should ideally be in that midfield with Tillemans. But they have center back issues with themselves because Amarti in himself isn't a center back. They've converted him over the last two years into one. They do have Suyenchu on the on the bench who seems like is out the door now. And I think overall, I think Ward isn't a starting goalkeeper in this league. No, I think they did all their business late selling. Where they if they were going to sell people, they should have did earlier to give them more time to buy people. They just don't have the reinforcements to to finish where they normally do in our eyes in a top ten area. So they're in a real scrap right now. If um, if things don't change in the next two games, I think Rogers is out. It's it's looking peak at this point for him. And I already mentioned the the Villa game coming up. It couldn't be any bigger of a match because both teams are struggling at the moment with their own issues. And um, whoever loses this match is, is Pretty
0: much hitting the streets. Yeah, my natural gray. I mean, it's it's really tough. It doesn't look good uh, for Leicester. Speaking of another team it didn't necessarily look good for this weekend, we have Arsenal. Um, I'm not in the gutter over this one because to be honest with you, I think Arsenal actually were the better team in this game. I know the scoreline wouldn't tell you that, but I think that they looked good um manchester united three arsenal one this game was at old trafford uh on sunday it was a late game a good lineup for united anthony rashford fernandez and sancho up top erickson and mctominay in the midfield with over veron martinez and tyrell malasia at left back Ramsdale, Gabriel, Zinchenko's back, Saliba white across the back for Arsenal. Xhaka and Sambi playing the pivot. Martinelli, Odegaard, and Saka there behind Jesus, who played the number nine role in this one. All right, so we'll get off to a start. I think uh, Arsenal were were ripped. Where a goal was ripped away from them. Um, we saw a few weeks ago there was a foul in the build up. Uh, that was the Tottenham Chelsea game, I think. Yeah. And nothing was done. Uh, this was a clean goal. I don't necessarily know if it affected the result of the uh, or uh, the goal. I thought was was great. I don't think the foul necessarily had all that much to do with the fact whether it was it was a goal or not. Um, it was pretty early the the play. I know Odegaard got the ball. That was the dispossession, but. Uh... I don't know, man. It's tough. It's really tough to have VAR call that back because it didn't happen last time. VAR has been having just an absolute howler over the last two weeks. Uh, I really hate it, but Anthony getting off to a start here in the 35th. Good goal from him. Bukayo Saka drew one back in the 60th. And after that goal, I was like, all right, Arsenal will be able to get back into it. But Marcus Rashford had other plans. He's been great so far this season scored in the 66th, scored in the 75th, and he looks like he's out of his own head. He, I actually really like Marcus Rashford. I think he's a good player. Um, of course, he does a lot of fantastic things off the pitch, but he is talented, and to get two goals here, I think is fantastic for his confidence, for the team's confidence, and for Ten Hag's confidence in him. I am a little bit disappointed with the fact that Arsenal weren't able to get more than one goal, here. It was good to see Saka score. He's he's you know feels like they've taken his powers away almost. He's missed a lot of sitters this season. But in terms of stats, Arsenal did outshoot United. I think they outpossessed them as well. They had sixty one percent possession. United just had more shots on target, and I think they defended better as a unit. Uh Veron and Martinez actually saving them. Lissandro has been fantastic. I think. He's a little bit undersized, but mentally he is an extremely strong midfielder. And I don't know, maybe this United team is looking up. I, I just think this was an unlucky result for Arsenal. I think we implemented the plan. I think the three subs that Arteta threw on at the end were not fantastic, Um, sort of fucked us up in terms of flow. But I, I'm really not that upset with this one. United are a team that are on the bounce. They're They're on their way back. And uh Erickson, I think, was was great in this game. He plays a lot of deep balls that I just don't think a lot of other defensive mids can do. So it's good to see him sort of playing out of position there. And, and United look threatening. They've got four ones in a row now.
1: Yeah, I think they found their 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 dynamic duo in the midfield and Erickson feeding Bruno. At Bruno slipping in balls to Rashford. Um Rashford down the middle is ideal to where how he wants to play. We know he's specifically requested to Ten Hog to play the number nine, um, get balls in behind, let his pace speak for itself. Doesn't get involved in the build-up as much. Um, we did see him get an assist to to Anthony. Um I think if Anthony ended his United career today, he would go down as a legend in the books. Um but yeah I think it's still a little too early to say on United we still need to see certain guys get rotated into the team to see if everybody's on the same page with the style. Um, we've seen an exodus of of English defenders in this team. No Shaw Maguire and Juan Basaka. They don't seem like they're the main starters anymore. Um, all the other players that were brought in over the past year or two have cemented themselves into this team. Um, Nick Tominay is doing as much as he can to keep that spot for himself away from Casemiro. Um, we'll see if he can work in there with Ericsson. Maybe it doesn't work, and and Ten Hong needs a more active guy in that role to move side to side to cover for Ericsson when he steps up. But I think they've found a great system to work with. Arsenal, like you said, I think overall had the better game. I'll agree with Mikel, but just certain moments of, of in judgments um Sinchenko tucking in a bit too much for the Anthony goal. Um a little bit of weakness in that back line, letting Rashford get a bit out of out of uh control on for, um, for them. I, yeah, I think that I think the VAR decision was a bit bit iffy. I think we've seen other challenges in the past um go the other way from this call, but I think that was a bit of a momentum shifter going from beating one nil up in the middle of the half to to them, going 1-0 up is a big mental shift. Um, good for Sokka, though. Got his first goal of the season. Got the monkey off his back. Uh, we talked about Son earlier. Now Sokka has a bit more freedom. But um, I think jeju still had a good game. He was in control a lot. But in that last key pass, just they couldn't find it. Uh, man United you know, really locked things down quickly. And I think ideally in these high-intense high games with top, top um top-profile teams, you're going to see United give a lot of the possession away and really play that counterball, which is similar to how Tottenham do. So that's the way they play, and it worked out for them in this instance. But I think going forward, um, we'll see if they can continue to play that way. I think Arsenal will. But um, yeah, questions a bit for me more about United, if they can continue performances like this.
0: Yeah, that will be the question. Because they're going to be competing for a Champions League spot if they keep up playing like that. Yeah. Um, Okay, Fulham versus Chelsea is our first Match Day 7 game. Oh, I love a Chelsea battering here. I think Chelsea absolutely destroy Fulham in this one. They're going to get the new manager bump. I think that we're going to see a different sort of side. They're going to want to play for this fella. And I think that Graham Potter gets a result here going away to Fulham.
1: Yeah, Chelsea have won their last seven against Fulham in all comps. They've kept six out of eight clean sheets um, against Fulham, as well as we've scored at least two goals in six of our last seven matches against Fulham. I'm going to go with Chelsea. I I have my doubts a bit in my head still. I don't think him coming in two days before the match is enough time for him to implement anything. We'll see. We'll see if he goes with a similar style to the Brighton one or if maybe he makes one tweak or two. But you would think if he plays the same system, we have been more quality than Brighton overall on paper. And that should lead to more results. But I don't know. I-, I think Fulham's a quality team to really pressure us in this match. So I would like to think maybe a 2-1 win. Yeah,
0: I can see that. Um, okay. Bournemouth versus Brighton up next. Oh, uh, I don't know. This is tough because i actually don't know who's going to be there for Brighton. This is at the vitality. So it's going to be home for Bournemouth. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of feeling a draw here. I, I don't, I don't like yeah. Brighton to, to keep up that pace from last week where they batter Leicester. plus Leicester a really shit team and Bournemouth. Um, Exhibited some grit last week, you know, coming out and and getting that result against Nottingham Forest after that bad first half. So I'm going to take a draw. I can see this one being one-one.
1: I think I'm going to go with Brighton. I think uh, they still I still think they play really well. I think those wing backs are going to really expose Bournemouth, who play more narrow. Um, in those one-on-ones, I don't think their fullbacks have enough to keep up with that play, with them coming inside on the back post cuts. So I think maybe like a one nil Brighton win.
0: Yep. Uh, All righty. Brighton heavy favorite in that game so far too. Southampton yeah. versus Brentford. Love Brentford to keep up that pace from last week. Southampton are the favorite here, which I think is insane. I love Brighton to win here, regardless of if it's at St Mary's or not.
1: Um, I should have said this before we started, but our picks from last week. Evan went three and seven. Zach went four and six. I went five and five overall. Overall, that puts Evan twenty five and thirty five. Zach's twenty nine and thirty one, and I'm thirty and thirty. So good
0: for you.
1: Um, sooner or later it's going to end. I feel like this is the week, though. Um, I will say for certain teams that we're still having struggling problems with here. You are zero and six with Brentford and Leeds still. My worst one is Villa, 1-5, and five, and Zach's is Brentford, 0-6. Oh, so I'm going to have to get his picks later. I forgot to get them. But um, in this game, I feel like Southampton um, may struggle a bit again. I think playing at home will be a boost. Um, the last two meetings have been high-scoring affairs. Uh, back in January, it was 4-1 to Southampton. And then in the rematch in May at the end of the year, Brentford won convincingly 3-0. Um, I think I'm going to go with uh, a chance here. I'm going to go with Southampton at home. I think they both play similarly. And the way that Brentford leak goals every week, I feel like Southampton have a bit of a bit of um class to them where they can open things up a bit. And then I think I would be very hopeful for James Ward-Prowse to get his first free kick goal of the, of the season here.
0: All right. Okay, where are we up next? Liverpool versus Wolves. Oof. Um, a lot of Portuguese gonna be spoken on this team or on in this game. A lot of Portuguese guys, a lot of Brazilian guys on Liverpool. Ah, uh, this is tough. It really is. Uh, I think I'm gonna take Liverpool, but I'm I'm really not not confident in them. I mean, I know that they just got battered by Napoli and, and Trent doesn't defend and Joe Gomez doesn't look like he knows where he is at any time so I could see Wolves honestly getting a draw out of this one but I am going to take Liverpool just because I think they, they play better against shit teams
1: yeah I think the, the possession is going to be pretty even I think we may see Wolves get on the score sheet my, my gut instinct is to go with a draw but I think I'm going to Stay steady and go with Liverpool here. Uh, I think another week where they drop points is going to be inexcusable. The way that um, the way it's been going, so um, yeah, I'm going to go with Liverpool.
0: All right, and then we have Leicester City versus Aston Villa. Tough one, but I'm actually going to take Leicester. I think they are extremely due for a win, um, and knowing that that Rogers is going to get the boot if he doesn't win a game like this is is. Propelling me to take Leicester, so I'm going to take them straight up.
1: Yeah, Leicester have lost their last five matches, whereas Villa have lost their last four-way matches. Um, Leicester have conceded at least two goals in five of their last six. Uh, likewise, Villa have conceded at least two goals in their last four-way matches. So, um, Villa are poor on the road. Leicester overall have been really struggling. Um, two two evenly matched teams, I would say. I think Villa have a bit of an advantage in my my mind. Um I can't I don't see a clear winner here, so I'm gonna go with a draw.
0: Okay. Um City versus Tottenham. Off one, man. I'm gonna take Tottenham.
1: Yeah, I was I was thinking similarly, like last year they really held it down.
0: Yeah. I think Tottenham looked good. I think it's definitely possible that the Tottenham defense can't handle Holland. That's what it's going to come down to. But um, I just think that the Tottenham have a lot of scoring options. Their midfield—they've been getting goals from. Of course, they're getting them from up top from from Kane. And I'd like to see Richarlison play here. I think he he would destroy that City backline, who have been really poor this year. So I'm I'm going to take Tottenham. I'm actually like pretty confident in that pick.
1: I think I'm going to. I think I'm going to go with the Holland X-Factor. I think I'm going to go with City. Um, I do see Tottenham scoring on this fragile back line for Man City. Um, Yeah, I just think Holland makes a huge difference. And though we know Man City is going to hold a lot of the ball. It just comes down to where they lose the ball on the pitch. um, Hopefully not... Deep in the back because we know how explosive the the front three for Spurs are, um, especially if for Charleston starting. He's a major X factor for them now, especially with the form Suns in at the moment.
0: Yep. Okay. Uh, Arsenal versus Everton. That one's easy. I'm going to take Arsenal there.
1: Yeah, I, I see this kind of as a bit of a trap game again. We we saw them almost trip up a bit with with Villa. The Other game. Um, I think we know Everton's a very stout back line. They're, they're on a, a track of four straight draws. Everton are on, a, or um, Arsenal are on a six game win streak at home. Um, and Arsenal have been winning both at halftime and full time in five of their last six home matches. So the Emirates right now is a bit of a fortress. Last year, you guys split results. Um, losing 2-1 at Goodison, but then at the end of the year, winning 5-1 at the Emirates. Um, I'm going to go with Arsenal. I think think Jesus is going to be a bit of a problem again. Maybe we see Saka get another goal, maybe go on a bit of a run. Um, I don't think Everton can keep up this defensive, strong uh, profile thing going on, whatever you want to call it. I think sooner or later they're going to get exposed a bit and leak at least three goals, and I think this might be the game
0: i agree i really don't think everton are going to be able to keep up that pace uh great result last week don't think they do it again newcastle versus west ham west ham are the favorite here i'm gonna take newcastle straight up um i am not happy with what i've seen from west ham i think bowen's been really quiet um they're just relying on on too much from their midfield and it's not panning out for them. So I'm going to take Newcastle. I just think they have more scoring options. I really like Isak. I think he'll, he'll get a goal here. He's, he's a fantastic player and he's nice and young. So I'm going to take Newcastle.
1: Yeah. Newcastle are still going to be without Callum Wilson, but, uh, Gimenez and St. Max look to potentially make their returns in this fixture. West Ham, on the other hand, um, Shamaka, Suchek, and Cresswell, all game time decisions, but I think Emerson's putting a good shift out there. It's really uh, given them a new new light, a left back, a bit more pace in Cresswell. Um, at home, I'd like to lean towards West Ham here. Uh, the last two results, West Ham 1-4-2 at St. James, and then in February, they drew 1-1. Uh, I'm not really sure where to go here. I think... I think I'm going to go with West Ham, take a chance. on just go with the home team, I think, with the crowd behind them. Um, we may just see Sam Max off the bench, but if they're not fully starting, I think it's going to be a hard time for them to break them Did West Ham down. So I'm going to go with the Hammers and like a 1-0 win. Yep. All
0: right. All righty, then we have two more games. Crystal Palace versus Manchester United and Leeds United versus Nottingham Forest. Palace United, this is a tough one for me um, because United have been playing really well, but I think Palace are actually a team that have a ton of teeth up top and I can see them uh, just eking a result out here. I'm going to go with a draw because I I really don't think uh, the form United are in is sustainable long-term and I just think Palace have a lot of quality. They're definitely going to stay in the game um i can't necessarily see them winning it but i i do like them to stay in so i'm gonna take a draw that's a bit of a flyer pick to be honest but i'm sure the odds actually are probably pretty good
1: yeah the last two results have both been 1-0 for opposite ways 1-0 to united at old trafford and 1-0 at Selhurst. this one's at Selhurst. they've played all-time 26 matches palace has only won three of them whereas united have won 18 Um, United four game win streak, whereas there's been under two and a half goals scored in five of Palace's last six home matches. So uh, we know they have a strong defense. Patrick Gere hasn't changed that back line too much unless they go to a five back. But um, I think he'll be able to go with a four back here. I don't know if he'll go five. We saw him do five against uh, City and Arsenal so far. But, um, well, I think. I think Palace have a great shot in here. I really want to go with a Palace win. I feel like Zaha going at United you know, one on one can expose guys a bit. Um he'll be on Delowe's side, which is gonna to be tough. Delos had a great start to the year, especially uh in his contributions in the attack. Um But I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna agree with you and go with the draw here. I think Palace have just just enough to get a result.
0: So do I. Yeah. And then we have Leeds, who are playing Nottingham Forest. Uh, Leeds got to get a result here. I mean, they absolutely have to. They are only in ninth place, which isn't bad. Nottingham Forest are in nineteenth. After that absolute capit—excuse uh, me—capitulation last week against Bournemouth, I think they're set for another disappointing result here. So I'm going to take Leeds. I think that they win this game pretty easily.
1: Um. Trying to find the, the thing here just for betting things. Um, Forrest on three three-game losing streak as well as they've conceded at least two goals in the last three matches. I think Leeds are still going to have a bit of a struggling problem. are going to struggle a bit with the scoring um, with no Rodrigo again. Hopefully Bamford's ready to start. Um, I think I'm going to go with a, a Leeds win. I'm going to take a chance on them. I think Adams and Roka have really formed a great partnership in the middle of the park. I think they're high energy. They'll be, they'll be able to cover a lot of the space for to use. Ideally, they like whipping a lot of crosses, especially from Nico Williams side, who's been playing really well. But, um, I think Leeds have just enough to get a result here.
0: Okay. Uh, that rounds us off for the match week seven preview match day six review. Uh, I'd like to thank you guys for joining us on this beautiful Thursday morning. The fall's finally here football's back, so by the way, if you haven't listened to the two episodes of the n f l show that are out, I urge you to go do so if you're interested in football. We did a prop special yesterday and then the week before last or yeah last week we did uh previews of of all the games, so it is thursday night we We have a game tonight. Matt, you got the Bills. You got the Rams. What do you think?
1: Um, I think it's going to be like a three point game. Yeah. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna lead towards the Bills. I just think uh, I think the Rams D might be exposed a bit with the the high volume that Allen's going to produce. Yeah. So I think I think the Bills get off to an early lead, and the Rams bring it back a bit for a, a tight end.
0: Oh, I, lo- I love that. I'm, I'm with you. I got Bills minus two and a half locked and loaded. I cannot wait. Um, but yeah, go check out that show. Check out all the past episodes of this show. If you're looking to catch up on, uh, the prem, we post everything on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple podcasts. Make sure you check us out on social media at post 20 Pod on Twitter and Instagram and stay posted on, on everything that, that we get up to. Don't worry. The, uh, Twitter and the Instagram are going to be much more active now that the NFL is back as well as uh the prem so we're in the busy season now thank goodness uh i got plenty of time to spend going to play some golf today but uh we will see you guys shortly i mean i'll be back monday or tuesday to i guess tuesday to go over the nfl stuff so we'll see you then take care guys hope you enjoyed 150